Welcome once again to No Apology with the Bible Idiots. We're Chris and Emily Danielson. Today is Wednesday, and that means we're going to be bringing you our long-form teaching. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Okay, that's the title of the message. And when I saw that, I was intrigued. I have to admit, I was wondering, where is Chris going with this today? But as usual, it did not disappoint. He's taking us to the book of 2 Kings chapter 7, and he's just talking about what it is to speak and to share that gospel and to tell people the things that God wants you to tell others. So 2 Kings chapter 7, here's Pastor Chris Danielson. A lot of people don't even know this is in the Bible. And I ask people, I say, you know the story about the four lepers? And people are like, you mean the ones Jesus? No, in the Old Testament. So our text today is a, is a little bit longer read. It's a longer run. And the title of the message is, Speak Now or Forever Hold Your Peace. So open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 7. And let's just go on this journey together. Reading verses 1 through 11, 2 Kings chapter 7. Elisha replied, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow at Samaria's gate, six quarts of fine flour will sell for half an ounce of silver, and 12 quarts of barley will sell for a half ounce of silver. Then the captain, the king's right-hand man, responded to the man of God, look, even if the Lord were to make windows in heaven, could this really happen? Elisha announced, you will in fact see it with your own eyes, but you won't eat any of it. Verse 3, now four men with a skin disease were at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why just sit here until we die? If we say, let's go into the city, we will die there because the famine is in the city. But if we sit here, we will also die. So now, come on, let's surrender to the Arminians' camp and let us live if we live. If they kill us, we will die. So the diseased men got up at twilight to go to the Arminians' camp. When they came to the camp's edge, they discovered that no one was there. For the Lord has, had caused the Arminian camp to hear the sound of chariots, horses, and a large army. The Armenians had said to each other, the kings of Israel must have hired the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. So they had gotten up and fled at twilight, abandoning their tents, their horses, their donkeys. The camp was intact, and they had fled for their lives. When these diseased men came to the edge of the camp, they went into the tent to eat and drink. And then they picked up the silver, gold, and clothing and went off and hid them and came back and entered another tent, picked up the things and hid them. Then they said to each other, we're not doing what is right. Today is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until morning light, our punishment will catch up with us. So let's go tell the king's household. The diseased men came and called to the city's gatekeepers and told them, we went into the Arminian camp and no one was there, no human sounds. There was nothing but tethered horses and donkeys and tents were intact. And the gatekeepers called out and the news was reported to the king's household. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, let these be your words to your children now as we worship you in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Just to give you a little background, when Elisha said those words at the beginning of the text, he's talking to people who are encamped. The, the Syrian, Arminian, they have surrounded the city. And they are starving them out. 
And it's a desperate situation. People are dying. And we in America can look across the landscape of spirituality and we can see that it's like a desperate situation. I'm seeing things in news headlines I never thought I would see in my lifetime. I didn't even think some of this stuff was even possible for a civilized society. But yet here we are. See, the city of Samaria surrounded by the Armenians and the people within the wall were literally starving to death. 2 Kings chapter 6, before this, it is so rough of a chapter that you will almost never hear it spoken of in church. I'm just going to let you read it for yourself, but people are starving to death, and it's brutal what you read in chapter 6. So much so, I'm not even going to tell you what's there. You're going to have to go look at it for yourself later. But stay with me in chapter 7 for the time that we have together. See, a message of hope comes from the most unlikely of sources. Four strange messengers brought a strange message to the city gate that changed everything for those who were trapped inside the city. The message was a message of life and hope, yet it was a message that was almost never told. It was almost that these four guys were just going to hoard it up for themselves. So let's look into the details of what actually happened and the men who carried it. Let's think about the subject for a second. Speak now or forever hold your peace. I remember growing up in the late 60s and early 70s when I started coming of conscious age. And I would see TV shows. And this was always the big crescendo at, at every wedding ceremony on TV in the early 1970s, wasn't it? Speak now or forever hold your peace. And somebody would break in the back door. Hold it, preacher. Sally, I've always loved you. I've always loved you too, Jimmy. I don't know why I'm standing here with him. Remember? So when I hear that phrase, speak now or forever hold your peace, it's like that's where that comes from. It's like it's a moment where if this moment passes, it's over. Sally will have gotten married to the other guy or whatever the case might be. See, this passage has a lot to say to you and me today. And it's a message of hope and life that we need to share with the world because this group of people, they're entrapped, they're going to die, they're starving to death. And they get this good news from these four guys. Well, you know what? We have a world around us that's trapped in sin and darkness. They have no hope. And they, they have no peace. And we hold our hope and we hold our peace. Or should we speak now and share the message we've been given? So let's notice the details of the text. I got, I got it broken down into three points for you. And yes, they all start with the same letter. And verse 8, the first part of verse 8 of our message today, it said, when these diseased men came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent to eat and drink, and they picked up the silver and gold and clothing and went off and hid them. What that meant was they were going to hoard this stuff. They were like, this is so cool. We got this newfound fortune. We're going to take this off, and we're going to hide it so that we, we can come back and get it. And then they come back. So point number one is their delight. Notice their delight. They're starving to death. They're lepers. They wisely reason that it is better to go to the camp of the, of, the, of the Assyrians and die by the sword rather than sit where they are and starve to death. They're going to die either way. How many times have we been there in circumstances where we're just like, it doesn't matter anymore, I don't care. It's like the little film clip we had, doesn't matter. 
We have to go. It's time to do something. It's time to go. Because better to go and fail than to sit here and fail. Right? And so they were facing certain death either way, so might as well go. And they were overjoyed at their good fortune. And they began to live it up. Now, these are a picture of a redeemed sinner, those who've been brought out of death into life. Surely there's a delight in knowing that one is now saved and headed for heaven. There's a joy in passing from death into life. It's an awesome thing. And they, they enjoyed their newly discovered surroundings as the Christian should. When they are soundly saved, they should immediately enjoy everything. And sometimes... When people come to know the Lord, especially false conversions, where they don't even know what they're stumbling into, all, immediately all they think of is all the stuff they can't do anymore. An authentic Christian with the joy looks at all the things they don't have to do anymore. It's awesome. See, there's a delight in this refreshing and in, in the riches of what they had just, just gotten. These guys were starving, nightfall come, and now they had more food than they've had in their lifetimes. Now, understand these guys, okay? These are dirt poor dudes. They are dirt poor. They, 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 they got their sustenance off the garbage of others. They were outcasts. They had absolutely nothing. Their situation was made worse by the famine inside the city. Why? Because nobody was throwing anything away. Now they're wealthy. They have more gold and silver than they could have possibly imagined. They don't even know how they're going to even spend it all. And those who know Jesus, the spiritual blessings that he has given us is far beyond our even imagination. The Apostle Paul, who I think probably had a good imagination, he wrote that everything that God has for us I can't even use half of the words I've been given to explain it. In other words, we don't even understand half of what God's prepared for us. That's how outstanding it is. But the half we can see is so outstanding that our joy should bubble up every day. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens and in Christ. The common things in the Christian life, things enjoyed by everyone who knows the Lord, sometimes we just take for granted on a day-by-day, on a -day, week-by-week basis. But they're far more precious than any kind of cash download, any kind of silver and gold. Think about it. His presence, his provision, his power, his promises, etc., etc. In the morning, they're dressed in rags. And when evening came, they're dressed in the finest robes. The finest robes of the Arminians' camp, the Assyrian camp, the Syrian army, whatever translation you want to use. And they'd never been well-dressed before as they were that evening. See, for those who have come to the Lord for salvation, the Bible tells us we did something very similar. We traded in our rags for his robes. Isaiah 64 6 talks about how our best we can do, our best righteousness is like filthy rags in front of a holy God. And then in Isaiah 61.10, in Revelation 19.80 says this, check it out. Isaiah 61.10 says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. 
I exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and wrapped me in a robe of righteousness as a groom wears a turban and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Boom. Revelation 19.8. Revelation 19.8 says, For she was given fine linen to wear, bright and pure, for the fine linen represents righteous acts of the saints. Those of us who know Jesus went from rags to riches. That's a phrase in America, the rags to riches story. Every single Christian is a rags to riches story. And I'm glad that I'm saved. And I rejoice in the robe of righteousness that I've been clothed with in the grace of God. That's where it starts every morning and that's where it should end every evening for those who know Jesus Christ. They are real blessings to be enjoyed by the children of the Lord. They're not to be discounted. They are to be accepted, and God is to be praised because of them. Worship service is a time of praise. And there's a lot of times we have to talk about some of the the hard truths. But we also got to live in that moment where we're just joyful. We're just joyful. We thank God for every blessing that he gives gives to each and every one of us as his children. And then that does create point number two, just like in our text. It creates a dilemma. Point number two is their dilemma. The last half of verse eight, it says, they came back and entered another tent, picking things up and hid them. So they're still doing it. They're still basking in in, in their good fortune. And then verse 9, Then they said to each other, We're not doing what is right. Today is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until morning light, our punishment will catch up with us. So let's go tell the king's household. They had a realization. These men were so caught up in their excitement over the newfound blessings, they forgot all about the others inside the city. And they realized that they had been far worse off than everybody, and now they're in better shape than anybody. I've heard some of your testimonies, and you've heard mine. Does that not sum us up? We were far worse off than anybody, and now we're better off than everybody because of what Jesus did for us. And so they realize they're hoarding up these blessings and instead of sharing them with those in need, they come to this statement. It says, we're not doing what is right. Sums it up pretty good. We are saved and we need to remember the blessings of the Lord for us to enjoy is not where it ends. We have this dilemma. Now we have to go share this. The blessings were not just to make us happy. God has blessed us so we might share those blessings with those around us who need them too. They need the blessings, they need him, they need the capital H-I-M, they need Jesus Christ. Chris, do you have any scripture to back that up? Well, as a matter of fact, I do. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Out of good old-fashioned gratitude, that's why we do the good works. Any of you who are doing good works so you can think it's going to add to your salvation, quit it. It's not doing anything. The best you can do, and I, like I quoted Isaiah earlier, is like filthy rags in front of the sight of a holy God. It's out of good old-fashioned gratitude. It's out of the fact that we know these blessings. We can't keep it. We've got to share it. John 7, 38. Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 38 says, The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, 
will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. What's that mean? Living water giving life to others. Not everyone has what we have, and we have to realize that. When we hoard up what the Lord has blessed us with, then we're not doing what is right. So let's look into their reasoning. These men decided that the blessings were not just for themselves, that it was going to be a day of glad tidings. It was going to be a day of celebration for everybody. Others needed what they had, and they wanted to share it with them because they had so much, and we have so much. So we have this redemption. People around us don't have this redemption. Maybe we want to try to share it. See, various situations in life demonstrate the fact that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is about to fill the needs of others with the message that they need to hear. That's what it is. It's a place for us to gather in our delight, and it's a chance for us to celebrate what Jesus has done. That's what the church is, and we're his bride, and our mission is, according to the Scriptures, to go and make disciples. And how do you do that? You go and tell of the message. You go and tell of the good news. But let's talk a little bit about what that means, even for these guys as a great example for us today. They had to have resolve. They had to have a resolve to go tell other people. Why? Because people weren't going to even believe them. And that's what happens if you follow the rest of the text through chapter 7. See, they wanted others to be helped as they had been helped. And they wanted to, to, to share that they didn't even know how, so they just go back to the gate and they start hollering it out to the gate. And the gate people, they, they don't believe them at first. And if you follow the text all the way through the rest of the chapter, they eventually go out and find, it, find out and everybody's blessed. But when we witness to lost people, we must understand that as they're perishing all around them, we have the message that they need and it ought to stir us up for action. For what? To grow the church? No. So that we can sit back and say, I'm a soul winner. No. We want to do it for the glory of the Lord. See, after all, we've been equipped for this service. We have more than what we need. And sadly, most Christians are like the four lepers at the beginning. Our lives have changed, and that's all that matters to us is we got ours. Well, the cross is for others as well. My resolve and your resolve should be that our hearts are so changed that we can't stop telling people about Jesus Christ. And the go to, and desire to tell others is put there by the Spirit of Christ himself. And we're to obey, yes? Pretty simple. Last point today. Their decision. Their decision. Verses 10 and 11, it says, The diseased men came and called to the city's gatekeeper and told them, We went to the Arminian camp and no one was there, no human sound. There was nothing but tethered horses and donkeys and tents were intact. The gatekeepers called out and the news was reported to the king's household. They reacted to the needs of others and they took the message to those in need. They put feet to their faith, so to speak. It, it produced remarkable results, what happened after that. But it took courage for these guys to get up and start doing it. It took compassion, and it took conversions to actually take place. And that's how we're bringing it home today with those three sub-points. Encourage 
these outcasts of, of, of society approached the city gates. Now, they stood a chance of death and certainly total rejection just because of who they were. Now, I want you to keep in mind that it takes courage to share the message of Jesus with the lost world. Usually, we don't, we don't want to upset the apple cart, so to speak, but also we know most of the people that we are supposed to share Jesus with don't want to hear it to begin with. Others, we know that they know us. And what they do is they look at us as just as unclean as they are. And they forget that, and they don't even want to hear the fact that we are now redeemed. See, regardless of the response that we receive when we share the good needs of Jesus Christ, it must be shared nonetheless. We must do what is right. Look, I, there's, there's so many doctrines out there uh, that you have to wade through. And Emily and I have had just a very unique experience where we had every denomination in the world inter inter interact with us on a daily basis on our three-hour radio show. And it's amazing, the doctrine of grace, the doctrine of predestination, you know, the, the doctrine of, of baptism, you know, all of these things, the, the, the doctrine of election, and, and all of these ways we divide ourselves. And I used to take the approach of, I'm just not going to argue with you. I'm, you know, I don't even know how many denominations. I bet it's 50. But I've spoken in over 250 churches in over 36 states in America. And there are ways that people will just find ways to divide themselves. I'll give you an example. Baptism. When we do our baptism service, the way the BIC baptizes is we do what's called trine baptism. And I learned this after I got to Kansas. I didn't even know we did this. We go forward in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Baptists, they dunk you backwards. You know, Lutherans, they sprinkle stuff on babies. I'm sure there's a church out there that just with a garden hose sprays you as you run by. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 it's not about the methods for me. It's about the fact that baptism is a command from the Scriptures that after you repent, call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and turn from your wicked ways, that you want to do this as an act of obedience and the coming out of the water, however that water is displayed, is coming out into new life. Some, somebody said, well, I was baptized now. Wash my sins away. No, it didn't. Jesus Christ, blood on the cross, washed your sins away. And if you've authentically been converted, if you've transferred that trust, if you've came to him and repented of your sins, and now you are redeemed, you are born again, baptism is something I would say the word must. You must do out of good old-fashioned obedience. And how that's actually done and who does the baptisms doesn't matter, in my opinion. Now, as long as I am a BIC pastor, I will always do trine baptism because of the spirit behind it. The spirit behind it is, I want everybody to know that you're baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And plus, to be honest with you, people are getting bigger nowadays. To take them backwards and lift them up. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> So all these doctrines are out there. And 
I think that that's confused people. And I think that there's really good doctrines, especially the doctrine of grace. And I'll have a conversation about the doctrine of predestination, election, and fill in the blank with five or six other theological scholarly things. I mean, sometimes you get into these theological rooms with some of these guys, which I've had the privilege, if you want to call it privilege, of, of being in there, you know, and literally my eyes start to like roll back in the back of my head and my skin starts to cry. It's like, what are you guys doing? Why are you trying to split hairs over this stuff? It's almost like a group of very intellectual people got together and said, hmm, let's decide how can we divide ourselves? Let's figure out ways we can divide ourselves because I'm right in my righty rightness. This is what the scripture... So we don't share the message of fill-in-the-blank denomination. We share the message of being redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's our message. We share that message. Romans 10, 13 through 14. These three verses. Romans 10, 13 through 14. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? It is written... How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. When you share your faith, heavens declare how beautiful you are as your feet bring the good news. So the question is, do we have the courage to be authentic witnesses of Jesus Christ? See, and I think that it starts with compassion. I'm a very non-compassionate guy by nature. I think every ounce of compassion I have for others is put there by God. I had some moments this week where I just broke down in tears, praying for some people. Some of them are in this room right now. I don't have that compassion naturally. I don't. It's not the way I was raised. It's not, it's not the world I come out of. But Jesus says, it doesn't matter how you were born. You came to me, you're now born again. I'll give you the courage. Let's do this thing. See, when we have been cast out, sometimes it's easy to say, I'm not going to care about them enough to share the gospel with them. Now, think about the people that we are talking about here, these four lepers. They were so mistreated and despised and ignored that it had to take great compassion for them to even give a rip to go back to the city, in my opinion. They were legally considered dead by society. Go back to the ancient culture. Do you know what some of the family members would do when you got leprosy? They would put you out of the city, and then your family would have a funeral for you. That's how cast out these four guys were. And after such treatment, these men could have said, let them all die. They deserve it after what they've done to us. But the fact is, those in the city needed to hear this message, and these men did the right thing. And nothing shows the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ more than you taking the time to go someone and share the gospel message, the saving message of Jesus Christ with them. In spite of who they are, in spite of their past treatment of you, in spite of your past relationship with them, if they need to hear it and you have it, you are commissioned by God to tell them. Tell them about the one who can save their souls. 
And may we have the love of God so strong in our hearts that we will do whatever we have to do to give that life-changing, life-saving gospel of grace. Speak now. Because I don't want to stand in front of Jesus and have him say, no, you said forever hold your peace. See, the conversions had to happen. When the message was heard, it was met with skepticism at first. Then it was believed and the city was saved as a result. Because these four men refused to hoard up their blessings, a multitude was saved. So when you share your faith, remember, you're not responsible for the results. Let's kill it right now. No one is going to be a closer for Jesus. Get that out of your head. You're not responsible. You know, the, this whole idea of soul winning has always been like fingernails on a chalkboard for me. In truth, we're soul warners. That's all we are. Our job is to tell. God does the saving. When you determine to tell, some will heed, others won't. When you have done what the Lord has instructed, you will be obedient on the call of your life and he will honor you for it. And you want to know something? You want to know how you'll know? The scriptures tell us because it'll be well with you. It'll be well with you. Can you explain that, Chris? No, but you'll know it when it's well with you. You may not ever know how it turns out, but when you're obedient, and you're just letting Jesus be the Lord of your life, it's well with you. And sometimes we still choose to hold our peace. People are trapped in sin, and sometimes we don't even know what to do. Well, I'd encourage you to do this then. I'd encourage you to remember Simon. Peter's little brother Andrew. In the New Testament, all he did was simply bring people to Jesus. Andrew never preached a great message. Andrew never healed anybody. The only thing Andrew in the Bible did was just bring people to Jesus and let Jesus do what Jesus does. Peter, he brought him in John 1.41. Then it was a young boy in John 6, 8, and 9. Later, he brought Philip along with a group of Greeks to Jesus in John 12.22. He was a soul warner. He knew what he had, and he wanted to share it with others. I want that to be said about us. I want you to want that to be said about you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you and praise you. Thank you for having a place where we can share the truth of Jesus Christ, of, of your sacrifice, Lord Jesus, of, of, of what it is to be a sinner who calls upon the name of the Lord. Thank you for this place. Bless this place. Bless your children now as they go out and share your, your truth. And let us always be that good ground ministry where people can come here and they will for sure be able to sing about you, be able to pray to you, and be able to hear authentic messages about you. Keep us faithful in these dark times. Lord, help us as a collective group push back the darkness together. When we're witnessing, when we're talking about you, the darkness cannot hang around. You've made that clear. We love you, Jesus. Bless this congregation now. Amen. Please stay.
Thanks for tuning in to our Sunday message. To donate, request prayer, or to contact Pastor Chris, you can write to Lifehouse Church at P.O. Box 661, Abilene, Kansas, 67410, or go online at lifehouse-church.com. On behalf of the entire congregation, thanks again for your support.